welcome to this edition of the All-Stars of Turf, presented by Foley and Air2G2. Uh, our guest today is Steve Airbar. He is at the newly opened Panther National Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Steve, welcome, and thanks for being with us today. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity, John. Thank you. So the last time uh, you and I met, well, the only time we met face-to-face, you were still at Jupiter Hills. Um, you are now at Panther National, uh, is a Jack Nicholas signature course there in Palm Beach Gardens. So right around the corner, somewhat from Jupiter Hills. And uh, uh, evidently, as you, we, you were saying before we started recording here, working out of a construction trailer. So uh, things are coming along slowly. But uh, before we get started into the meat of this, Tell us a little bit about the new position and the new golf course there at Panther National. Yeah, John, I've been on board uh, September of 2022, and uh, dirt was already being moved on the property. Um, Some other decisions were made at that time, uh, what type of grass we were going to put down on the fairways and and tees, which is Bimini Bermuda grass uh, pump station manufacturer was already uh, picked out MCI pump station uh, but came on uh, wasn't too early in the process um, you know in all these projects John I, I fully um, support the fact that hey, get your superintendent on these new course projects the sooner the better because there's big decisions that are being made um, that are going to be for a, a long time of uh, you know the existence of the golf course so uh, we just opened uh, the course November 17th of 2023. So we're just about, you know, five or six months open here. Uh, we're looking at a pretty busy summer. We still have a lot of projects to finish. John, our main goal was just to get the golf course open for this season. And then uh, we're going to close down the course for about four months this summer and kind of finish off some things we didn't get done. Uh, I checked out the website of, of- back when I first asked you to, to sit with us here today. And by the looks of the homes there, this is uh, definitely not a daily a daily fee place. The, the homes there look uh, like uh, Beverly Hills dropped into the middle of Palm Beach Gardens. Yeah, John, it's a very unique property. It's the last developable uh, golf course uh, community in Palm Beach Gardens. And uh, I'm sorry, that's for uh, the county of Palm Beach, uh, not just Palm Beach Gardens. Which I believe has more golf courses than any place in the country still. I believe that's correct. Uh, the, the unique thing is our owner is from Switzerland. Uh, he was a world-class alpine skier in his day. He had a vision uh, about 10 years ago uh, that he wanted to build a golf course in South Florida, uh, have it very unique. And so when he reached out to uh, different architects, you know, he ended up with Jack Nicholas, and he had specific uh, features on this golf course that he wanted. And the number one thing, John, was he wanted it to be unique. And he just felt like, uh, you know, predominantly in, in South Florida, you don't have much undulation at all. And there's a lot of just, you know, flat golf courses in his mind with just a little bit of undulation to it. And we moved almost 3 million uh, cubic yards of dirt out here on this property. 
to create 40 to 50 foot elevation changes throughout. So if I put you on the interior of the golf course, John, uh, you know, all the uh, visitors that we get out here and uh, superintendents, you know, they you don't feel like you're in South Florida. I'll tell you that. Uh, the homes are very European style, very modern. Uh, they're going to have flat type roofs to them and uh, windows almost 360 degrees around all these homes. But you're, you're correct. I think our smallest home is going to be uh, 6,500 square feet. So they're not small. And we have uh, one third acre lots all the way up to one acre lots out here, 218 in total. Yeah, they look spectacular. That's for sure. Um, now, uh, you uh, you you mentioned that this is a Jack Nicholas signature course. I used to live down in your neck of the woods for a little bit, and the only to my recollection, the only Nicholas signature design I played was the old Club Med facility up in Port St. Lucie, which was a lot of fun, really great track. Uh, you know, not a not much of a golfer. I think I birdied the 18th hole coming in, which is always one of those things where they just kind of they grab you and suck you and pull you back in from it. Just when you think you're ready to give it up, they bring you back. And uh, sort of that line out of uh, the Sopranos and Godfather too. Just when I, uh, I I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, what's the difference between a, a, a Nicholas a standard off the shelf Nicholas design and a and a signature course? John, my understanding, the biggest difference is how many site visits you get from Jack himself on it. Uh, I believe a signature you get eight full-time visits from them and just a regular Nicholas design. Uh, I think you get them at uh, the conception of it and then grand opening. So two. Gotcha. Okay. Now um, your career, you've managed to get around some pretty high profile places around South Florida without ever having to move. And if you did, it was by choice, not by necessity. Um you know, before Panther National, spent several years at Jupiter Hills. Uh, no, um, no shrinking violet there either. Um, Old Marsh, uh, Lone Tree, which is not only another Nicholas course, but I believe is the club where he lives. Yeah, Lost Tree. That's Lost correct. Tree. Sorry, yeah, Lost mm -hmm. Tree. And um, uh, so, how do, and, and you know, so everything that where you've worked down there has either been a Nicholas or, or one of the Fazios, I think who have, who, who've built it. How did you get into that big boy club down there as a, as a two-year guy coming out of Ohio state? John, very fortunate. So my wife and I moved to, to South Florida in 1985 and Pete Dye was just building old Marsh golf club at the time at Palm beach gardens. Uh, so I was fortunate to, to come on board that project as the assistant superintendent under Dennis Weber. And it took us about two and a half years to finish off that golf course. Uh, it, you know, in the mid eighties, John, um, the golf course was in the midst of a, a wetland, very unique. And I think it was Pete Dye's first one that where he really, uh, built in that environmentally sensitive, um, conditions. So we had a lot of permitting issues and, and whatnot, but what a, uh, a whirlwind of experience to see a, a golf course built from the ground up and kind of working uh, side by side with 
Pete Dye was just a dream. So after we got the golf course open about six months later, uh, Pete Dye was out hitting balls and uh, the caddy master came up and said, hey, Pete wants to, to see you on the range. So I went over there and said hello to him. And he says, hey, tell tell Dennis where you're your two week notice is, is up. You're, we're going to move you up the street here to, to Jupiter. Mm. And uh, so they had a, a new project going there on an existing golf course. The owner from Long Cove uh, purchased this public golf course and was turning it into a exclusive private club, which is now called uh, Die Preserve. So I did back to back grow ins, uh, got Die Preserve up and running, spent about two years there. And then I was fortunate to where uh, there was a change at Lost Tree Club. I uh, got a, an opportunity to interview and, and fortunately ended up with the job there. I uh, spent almost four years there, John. And then um, Old Marsh uh, was looking for a superintendent. And obviously, I knew the golf course from the ground up. Uh, couldn't pass up that opportunity. So went back to Old Marsh for a second stint. Uh, spent about seven, eight years there, and then Lost Tree uh, came calling again, and we were going to do a major renovation in 20, I'm sorry, 2002, and obviously with, with Jack living there, he was going to be the architect. He wasn't the original in, in 1960. That was Mark Mahana, uh, but I couldn't pass up that opportunity, so I, I went back to Lost Tree for a second stint, I uh, did a major renovation with Jack there. He came on site about 60 times uh, during that project, John. He lived there, and he came out every single night. And uh, what, a, what an opportunity to you know work side by side with, with Jack for uh, that whole summer there. And then as soon as uh, we had a, a season behind us there, uh, I was fortunate. Uh, the phone call came that Jupiter Hills was interested in my services. Uh, 36-hole facility up there, John, and obviously I wasn't looking at the time, but, uh, you know, the Jupiter Hills of the world don't come knocking uh, or calling too often, so right. I couldn't pass up that opportunity there, and I moved up there in 2007. I spent 15 great years there, great club, great opportunity. Um uh, was certainly different for me as, as far as uh, – you know, be more of a director than a superintendent with 36 holes. Really, everything is double, John, the workforce, the budgets, uh, the manpower, everything. Um, and then, again, uh, very fortunate in 2022, the phone call came through. Would I be interested in, in coming down and, and being part of the team of Panther National? And, John, the, the you know, the biggest key reasons why I came on board here was number one, it was a single owner. And I had that experience at Old Marsh in, in 85. I was one owner at the time. And there's, in my opinion, there's nothing better than to work for one individual. I, I've been at, you know, uh, clubs for a good part of my career that are board run, committee run, um, all solid, great clubs. But my preference uh, is to work for one individual. You just know where uh, the direction is coming from. You may not always agree with it, but at least you know you can try to satisfy one person versus 350 or 400 members. 
Yeah, no surprises for sure. No, no surprises. And, you know, Dominic Sen is uh, the owner's name here and had a great conversation with him beforehand, uh, accepting the job. You know, I wanted to know what his vision was. What is this club going to be? And he's always going to own it, even though we have uh, members. Uh, Dominic will be the sole owner of this club. So, again, it's, it's unique from that standpoint. It's not an equity membership club here. And then getting back with Jack Nicholas, the involvement of Justin Thomas. Uh, we have some other touring pros that we call ambassadors here. Uh, just the whole in environment and then the golf course itself being very unique. Uh, John, uh, I'm 63 years old. I looked at it to where, hey, this would probably uh, be my last time that I could get into a construction brand new golf course. That opportunity doesn't happen too often. Uh, so those were the, the key reasons why uh, I accepted the job and, and came on Panther National and, and couldn't be happier. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Frank Doby, who's up in from your old neck of the woods, yeah. he would uh, resoundingly second your opinion on working for a single owner. Um, you know, he's he was uh, in, up until his recent retirement a couple of years ago at a one owner uh place or and one boss and you know and lasted there for 60 years or so right yep. yeah it, those right. opportunities obviously speak for themselves yes now um you mentioned uh and i took a peek at your resume and you mentioned some of your skills uh that that you really uh tried to emphasize a lot of them are, are really soft skills uh, not necessarily anything relate, obviously skills that make a good superintendent, but nothing that is um, uh, directly associated with turf care. And we're talking about things like mentorship and team building and building relationships and communication skills and those kinds of things. Um, obviously not the, always the, the, the skills that you learn in turf school. Where did you pick up all these skills that helped uh forge your career and make you the su superintendent slash director that you are today great question some of the people maybe along the way who helped you attain those skills that's that's where it began john great great question so i think we had talked about this the previous time that i, I met you um when i went to ohio state and, and graduated I had never worked on a golf course other than my first internship there. I played a lot of golf. I had interest in the game, realized that my talents weren't going to take me any further in, in that end of the business, but I love being on the golf course and outside. Uh, so I did my internship at the country club in Pepper Pike, Ohio. And at the time, the superintendent there was Al Muley. And we had a couple other uh, interns from Purdue University and I guess for my fortune, Al kind of took me underneath his wing, John, and he said, Steve, I'll, I'll teach you everything you want to know. Um, and I said, you know, Al, I'll just be a sponge and I want to learn as much as I can on this internship. And we developed a relationship there, John. Uh, we still send Christmas cards to each other. Yeah. He's still uh, up in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, just can't thank him enough for um, showing me this business and and taking the time to to help me out. So I always took that to heart and I just felt like 
if I could ever uh, do that uh, to somebody else that's coming up through the ranks, I certainly would. So that's that's where it started, John. And then when I got to Florida, I just had the opportunity uh, and desire to uh, have these assistant superintendents, assistants in training, uh, school internship uh, students come on board. And it was a two-way street. Uh, you know, I gave them as much information and experience uh, that I had at the time. And that obviously continued to grow throughout my career. Um, but there, there's just a passion for it, John. And I, I will never, um, you know, give, give that up until the day I, I end, end a career here. Um, but I've been very fortunate throughout the years. And it's a two-way street, John. These these guys that I've worked with in the past, uh, just very fortunate to see them go on and succeed as successful superintendents in the business. Uh, I'm friends with all of them to this day. I try to stay in contact with as many as possible. Um, but it's been very rewarding, that's for sure. Yeah, along those lines, you know, when you you've been in the business as long as you have, obviously a lot of things have changed since the eighties in, you know, in, in uh, uh, conditioning products that are available, available to you, technology that's available to you. Um, demands of the golfer have changed dramatically. And um, uh, you know, so maybe walk us through sort of what, uh, things were like when you got into the business and the changes that, that have come up, that have uh, occurred over that time. And, um, you know, and now that, you know, like I'm, I'm almost your age, I'm one year younger than you. So I can say, you know, we're in the old man's club now. And, and, yeah. and how do you stay abreast of those changes to keep current and, and be able to remain relevant? John, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, obviously, labor challenges in, in today's world. Um, obviously, they're real and they're very challenging, to, to say the least, uh, you know, versus 30, 40 years ago, um, we we typically would tap into, uh, you know, high school kids, uh, some teachers that were uh, interested in having summer jobs and whatnot. Um, that's almost disappeared, at least for down here in South Florida. I think that still exists a little bit up north, but we don't get any of that down here. Uh, the majority of our staff is all Hispanic here. Uh, thank goodness for that, or I don't know what we would have for, for a labor pool down here uh, in the agricultural business. Uh, the other thing that comes to mind, John, is uh, the memberships themselves. It, it just feels like years ago, um, you know, everybody might have an off year because of weather or, you know, conditions out of your control, but it's really, uh, you know, what have you done for me lately, uh, type mentality. And I just don't feel that existed when I started out in this career, but it's, it's reality, uh, in today's world. And, yeah, even sure. though you have, a, a, a you know, a great season last year or five great years, uh, you have one little, stumble and um it's it's just more challenging nowadays yeah it's interesting i'm uh, i remember a, a story from 
a superintendent who we will not name uh, out of respect to him, but who was at a really good place in South Florida, um, had been there for several years, had one bad season that, you know, that uh, I think some greens had gotten salt burned because of proximity to the ocean and some extraordinarily heavy winds um, that led to some problems on the greens. And as they were, you know, the, the superintendent and some folks from the club were going out to look at the damage. One of the uh, members at the time had just said right there on the green said, well, you've had a good run. And that was that. Yes. And it's, you know, it's just the way it goes now. And uh, um, uh, so, um, you know, there's uh, how do you how do you keep your education current in in um, because in light of all those changes, agronomic conditions are, are changing because of golfer demand, and you know, ID cuts always got to go down now, and um, they don't want to hear, you know, especially when you're you're at places like. Uh, where you've been working, you know, you, your clientele never wants to hear no. Yep. John, back in uh, 1993, I believe it was, uh, I became a certified golf course superintendent. Um, I did it for the sole purpose of myself. I just felt like it was a goal that I wanted to achieve. Um, I don't think it ever um, increased my salary at, at any other club. Uh, I believe in the, you know, the education process. I try to make as many uh, sem- local seminars down here and also the National Golf uh, Industry Show. I just felt like that pushed me to continue my CEUs. Um, you know, it's a five-year process to where you have to accumulate so many CEUs to get recertified. So I'm very proud of that. Um did it make me a, a better superintendent? I, I believe so. No question about it. Um, you can never uh, have enough education, John. And that's one thing I continue to push myself. Like you said, there's new technology almost every day out there. You have to stay current. And these seminars uh, certainly have helped me keep abreast of, of the industry. Yeah, and you noted you know, you have quite a bit of construction experience um, getting that uh, initial experience directly with Pete Dye in your early days at Old Marsh. Maybe if we can go back and revisit that a little bit, how has that experience working so closely with someone, you know, not only your superintendent, obviously, you had played a tremendous role in that as well, but you having the opportunity to to work hand in hand with, with Pete Dye, how did that help your career? I think the, and maybe not so much the architect, John, but I I tell um, a a lot of guys uh, that have worked for me in the past that the best experience you can have, you got to get into construction because number one, uh, yes, there's a few local uh, new golf courses in the area, but that's not the standard. And I, I was just surprised to see any more being developed down here, but we have five or six going on in a 30 mile radius right now. But at some point in time, you're going to be at a club that's going to do some type of renovation. And it might be a, you know, a wall to wall type renovation. 
And you want to be, you want to be the guy, John, and I've seen at some clubs, uh, there's a turnover there because maybe that uh, current superintendent doesn't have construction experience. Um, and the club feels like they want to bring somebody in that, uh, you know, if they're spending eight to $10 million, they, they need to make sure they have the right individual there. Um, so it's kind of being proactive. And um, I always encourage guys, hey, if you can get onto a course that's going to be renovated, that there's there's a lot to that. And, you know, just looking back on my career, Old Marsh did that for me, John. Um, I spent a couple of years in, in Northeast Ohio and no renovation experience whatsoever. Come right down here in South Florida and get put into, you know, swampland. I'm like, mm -hmm. what am I, what am I doing down here? You, you know, and surely, uh, slowly, but surely, you know, uh, you, you see a golf course uh, being built out of this uh property and that's the one thing that has always amazed me you know and like you said I've, I've been very fortunate to work with Pete Dye Jack Nicholas and Tom Fazio three of the best that I, I I feel in my era and I still don't have it to this day John I can't I can't see things the, the way they see them and even in the dirt it gets challenging to to see it but uh once you start sodding it and you're putting grass to it, then it then it comes alive to me. But man, it it's it's an art um, that I've never required uh, at, at all, and I'm just amazed at these golf course architects um, on how their mind and vision work on on building these golf courses. Just amazes me. Yeah, and you know, another superintendent who had a. a I don't want to say similar career path as you down there, but who was able to to work at a lot of really high profile places without ever having to move just because of the nature of the golf market in South Florida, um, because there are so many places, but a good friend of mine, Dick Gray, who's a, um, who's a Jupiter Hills alum as yes. well. Yep. And he talked a lot about Pete Dye and how he owed so much of his career to him. And not just as a as necessarily as an architect, like you said, but more as a colleague or even a I think, you know, he really considered him to be a pretty good friend. And, um, you know, and, you, you, and I'm not not trying to disparage any other architect by any means. So don't think that I am. But, you know, you, you just don't hear of that kind of a relationship very often. What it was it about Pete that was maybe. I don't want to say different than anybody else, but was able to, you know, what was it about him that, that folks like you or Dick are able to kind of take your career up maybe to the next level, just because of his, his tutelage and the relationship you had with him. Yeah, John, good, good question. Um, you know, I guess I look at a lot of the guys that had, had worked with Pete and, and traveled from, from job to job. I mean, he's a very, down-to-earth individual um and just you know personality wise how he treats people uh, he doesn't care who you are if if you're the billionaire building the golf course or the guy in the get the ditch john uh just a tremendous amount of respect for the uh the man um can't thank him enough and but i, I think the big thing is yeah just how he treats people and you can see it and the, the the guys gravitate uh to him and i i did too 
Uh, so in a way, he was a he was a mentor in, in my career too, John. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some of the, the obvious challenges with labor now, and um, you know, as you as you project out maybe another five ten years, where is this going? Even in South Florida, where you you probably don't have as you have maybe a little bit more of a pool to pull from, but still some challenges there as well as in places like California have, you know, there it's a, it's a similar dynamic, but also they have the same challenges everybody else does, you know, project out maybe five, 10 years, what's going to happen with this labor issue in, in golf. And, you know, because you see so many places now that I never would have thought are embracing the robotic mower technology yep. just to, you know, basically to try to do everything that's at least outside the ropes as much as they can to alleviate spending too many human resources in places that don't really need to detail work. Yeah. Another good question, John. I mean, you know, I'm full of them. So look, looking at my crystal ball, I, I wish I had the answer. I, I really, I don't know five to 10 years, um, you know, what, what the landscape is going to look like for labor. Uh, it's getting more and more challenging um, obviously, we we verify all our employees here, and the regulations are are getting tougher and tougher. Um, and like I said, John, there there's five other golf courses being built in this area. Mm -hmm. One is a 30, uh, 54 hole uh, complex. Wow! And that's going to be one hundred. 20 uh labors you, you know that course there's another 36 hole there's another uh, 218 hole uh, facility so yeah where where's where's the labor coming from and if they're leaving other golf courses to go work for these new golf courses well uh, there there's a shortage uh there at the end of the day um i don't have the answer john it it's extremely challenging to say the least the Hourly rates have gone up significantly, which I believe they they needed to. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a bottom line thing to, to where everybody um, everybody's budget has to adjust to these increases, and and labor is a a, a big part of it. Um, but where do you draw the line? You know, there's only um, so much these members are going to uh, pay for their their annual dues per year. Um, but I wish I could answer it better than that. But I really, I really don't know. I, I have a feeling like you said something has to give, John. And I don't think uh, standards or conditions are one of them. That never goes very, very far in a board meeting or a green committee meeting. Um, but maybe it's some of these robotic mowers can can play a, a part in our business and help that out a little bit. Um, but it has to be something. Yeah, you, uh, <clears throat> you 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 mentioned. I I didn't realize there was that much new construction going on in Palm Beach County or Southern Martin County or whatever the the wherever the construction is taking place. Because uh, Martin County is not too far from you, and another very vibrant economy there as well. And um, uh, but you know, is is retaining labor once you're able to attract folks to your golf course is retention all about just the bottom line or are there other things you can do to help um convince them to stay 
Yes, I, I believe so, John. You know, again, um, money is the bottom line, I think, at the end of the day. Yeah. But what I try to do with our staff here uh, is, you know, treat everybody on the, the maintenance staff uh, fairly, um, the best we can. If we can equip them with rain gear, uniforms, uh, lunches, you know, any type of benefits whatsoever. Uh, overtime is a big thing, John. If you are at a club that offers overtime, you're in a lot better situation that it's uh, 40 and, and you're out the door. And, and some clubs, you have to work seven days a week to get your 40 hours in. So it's it's very challenging to, to say the least. And, you know, we have competition. Uh, a lot of the, the landscapers will gear up in the summertime and they can attract a lot of our labor force because again, they're uh, able to work more hours maybe than we can give them at the golf course. Um, and, but then that slows down in October, November, when the grass slows down, uh, the landscape companies kind of cut their manpower down a little bit. So that's, that's a seasonal one. Uh, we got a lot of just general construction, housing construction, uh, roofing uh, again, um, there's a lot of overtime that, that can be given at some of these jobs. And it, it's hard to, you know, have a conversation with an employee that can make $5 an hour more per hour and get substantially more overtime per week, you know, and, and you just, John, I've always, Hey, God, God bless you. You, you know, it's uh, you've got to do what's right for you and your family. Mm -hmm. And we do everything we can, John, to retain that employee. But at the end of the day, there's sometimes you just can't. Right, right. How, how has it changed, you know, the, the ability to communicate with your staff now? I mean, you know, who on, the, who on your staff is bilingual? So I'm very fortunate, John. Uh, my right-hand guy, Dan Four, is uh, my superintendent here. And then I have two assistant superintendents underneath him. And it's been a, a blessing to have Danny here. He worked for Greg Norman for mm -hmm. 27 years traveling the country um ev everywhere uh, the world in, in that regard and i was fortunate he came on board uh to jupiter hills uh, back when the pandemic hit uh all construction almost you know stopped immediately on on all golf course building and danny wanted to be a little bit more uh permanent and located in one area he likes south florida uh, so we hooked up together at, at Jupiter Hills. He was the assistant on the uh, one of the golf courses there. And then this opportunity came open and he certainly wanted to come uh, uh, with me. And there was no better individual that I could have uh, on my staff here. And he speaks fluid uh, Spanish, which is a huge help for us here, John. Uh, I can't can't say enough about his talents and his ex. Experience of, of growing golf courses in he has more experience than I do uh tenfold on that so um, very fortunate to have Danny as my my right hand guy here last thing we'll close with as you look back on the duration of your career what has been uh maybe your favorite part of this industry and being a superintendent and what what is something you wish you could change Okay. Uh, my favorite part, John, 
I guess I'm going to answer it this way. I just feel so fortunate that I, I got into a career that I thoroughly enjoy. And, you know, looking back 40 plus years ago, um, I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. And that was my, my goal. And I'm never going to give up that, that goal until I retire, John. And um, I think it's helped me get to where I am today. Um, and again, I don't really look at uh, coming to work as, as coming to work. Man, I, I love being out on the golf course and just feel so blessed that uh, I have a career that I really enjoy every day. Yeah, there's there's challenging days, John, as you and I well know. And, uh, you know, weather is always a very challenging uh, thing to deal with because it's mm -hmm. out of your control. Um, so I would say that's that's probably uh, my my favorite thing about uh, my career is I, I've enjoyed darn near every day I've been on a golf course. There's never a bad day, even with hydraulic leaks or uh, irrigation breaks or, or whatever's going on. Um, you know, John, I don't have any regrets at, at all. Um, any of the moves that I've made in the industry, like you said, I've been very fortunate to raise my family. Uh, all my jobs have been within a 30 mile radius, which is not common in, in this business. Uh, okay. Normally you, you have to, you have to move to get to the uh, next job. Uh, oh, you got me thinking on this. So, hmm. Uh, boy, I would say, John, that, you know, I, I don't think anybody likes it, but, you know, letting somebody go, having to, having to fire somebody. But I've always looked at that, John, to where I'm really not firing somebody. That individual broke the club rules of tardiness or disrespecting equipment or other employees. Uh, I'm just following the rules and um, but it, it's never fun to put somebody out of work, you know, but it's part of being the boss. And um, but th that's the one thing, I guess, in, in my job that, uh, you know, looking back um, is, is least desirable. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd hope to end this on a really high note, but I guess we're going to end it on a downer. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah, I should have started with that, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm, um, I'm going to have to. I'm going to. I'm going to have to change my uh, uh, order <laughs> in which I ask some of these questions in the future, just to avoid this. But well, look, Steve, look, it was great catching up with you. Thank you so much for being here, and uh, wish you all the best in your new venture there. Yeah, appreciate your time, John. Thank you very much.